Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. All right, hey everybody, welcome to Climbing Sycamores. Kind of excited today, we've got a special guest with us. His name is John, do you say, is it Perham? Per ham. Per ham. Yeah, like per how ham. many ounces of meat per, per ham. ham? Oh, it is. Okay. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. I mean, so, that's not great. technically how the Germans pronounce it, but I'm an American, so that's how I pronounce per it. Per ham. Fair okay, enough. great. So John's from Southbrook here in Franklin, and you know, we're in Victory of the Lamb. So um, we work together a lot with Southbrook and um, on various things. Like yesterday we held um, here at Southbrook, they held a kind of a back-to-school event where we um, – Invited the teachers, yeah, from uh, country, from a couple of different Dale, schools, right? And uh, what's the other one? Brook something. Maybe. No. Anyway, I should know this, <laughs> but I don't. Um, anyway, it was a really great event, and the teachers were really appreciative. And so, we do a lot of things with Southbrook, and mm-hmm. um, South. So Southbrook is um, uh, so uh, sorry. I should back up. Victory of the Lamb is a Lutheran church, specifically a Wells Lutheran church, Wisconsin, part of Wisconsin Synod. Evangelical Lutheran Synod. Lutheran Synod. And Southbrook is a non-denominational church, and so we're going to talk a lot about a lot about that today. The um, non-denominational denomination. Denomination. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yes, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but anyway, maybe it would be a good introduction, um, John. If you want to talk about yourself. Um, if you have any pertinent life information or just um, what made you come to Southbrook and what's your role here and and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, Well, first off, thanks you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And I'm excited for the opportunity just to... We literally couldn't find anyone else. Well, (laughs) that would not surprise me. No, that's not true. I am the bottom of the bucket. No, we want... (laughs) Glad you guys had me. We wanted this perspective. We want want you here. For sure. Uh, So uh, like you mentioned, my name is John Perham. I am the worship pastor here at Southbrook Church. Uh, I've been on staff at Southbrook for a little over a year now uh, as the worship pastor, but I've actually attended Southbrook for uh, close to 10 years, somewhere in there. So um, Southbrook has been my home for a long time, and um, I kind of grew up in that non-denominational Reformed Baptist kind of theology. Um, so Southbrook Church really, really fits our family well. So. Uh, I have a wife of 16 years. Uh, I have a 13-year-old daughter, um, and I drive a Harley Davidson. I guess that's all, right. all I can say about myself. That's good. And we've known you for about a year because I think it was this uh, teacher back to school event that we last met you at year, last yeah, year. That we first so, met. yep. So, and yep, we've right. been and we've referenced on the podcast before, like kind of meeting with you know, some of the worship leaders in the mm-hmm. area. So you're one of those. So we meet monthly with John and mm-hmm. and a couple other guys um, and just, you know, music and tech type stuff. Yeah, share ideas, share thoughts. You know, the beauty of it is, um, you know, the kingdom of God is bigger than just one church mm-hmm. or one yes. uh, mm-hmm. denomination. Mm-hmm. So we really want to embrace that and let's, you know, let's cross those denominational lines to share ideas, share thoughts, and mm-hmm. um, just ultimately grow the kingdom in that way. Well, yeah, do 100%. we really want to do that, though? I mean, let's just address the <laughs> elephant in the room here. Two of us are good Lutherans. Two of us are Lutherans. 
One of us is non-denominational here. So, I mean, two of us are for sure going to heaven. One of us. (laughs) I'm not going to say no, but. The blood of Jesus is bigger than just one. one We agree. He's obviously. Uh, For any (laughs) of our listeners over the age of 75, that was a joke, by the way. (laughs) I do not actually think that John is going to hell. But that brings up a very good point. Um, which is something that I would not say that my parents kind of uh, gave me as a kid, but I think more through the school I went to. I went to like a Lutheran private school. Um, and I would say that basically talk about any other synod that was not ours mm-hmm. was just like, this is what's wrong with them. This is something they teach that's wrong. Um, this is something that's not biblical. Mm-hmm. And then there was almost a concession of like, well, okay, no, 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 we don't, they're not going to go to hell. But it was like, it was like a concession. Mm-hmm. It yeah, was yeah. like, okay, I'm not saying that, but I mean, just please don't even mess with them. You know, right, right. that's how it was treated. And that's how um, I grew up. And it was like, whether you're Methodist or Pentecostal or Episcopalian Catholic. or Catholic. Yeah. It was just like, um, this is what they teach. And that's why that's wrong. You know, and, and um, uh, oftentimes the phrase was sort of used like, oh, the reason that we like the, the Lutheran Synod or whatever is because I know like if, I'm, if I go to a different state and they have a Lutheran church, I know I'm going to get the Bible in like it's tr- kind of its truest form, right? Like we're going to get like the best doctrine from the well Synod and everybody else, you know, I'm not, 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 I guess not every denomination, but there were a lot where it's like, yeah, some churches that aren't Lutheran churches. I mean, they just like to drink coffee and have donuts and they just like to, you know, it's like a big kind of discussion group, but they don't even teach law and gospel or they're not even talking about Jesus. And uh, I'm sure that's true of some churches, you know, but like I come in here and like you guys had like the Ten Commandments on the wall and there's Bible verses all oh, over. It's, it's evident. Like, yeah. I mean, like this is a- well, and I'm going to interject here yeah. too, because I know you said, well, this is kind of how I was raised. This is how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, you're still pretty young, but I would be willing to bet that this is still happening in our synod. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt now. it. Yeah. And I mean, I think we ought to address that and discuss and it. That yeah, and it's not like a. Fi- I wouldn't say it's like official school. Like, oh, we're gonna make sure we teach the kids this. It's like everyone just had that sort of cynical air. All yeah, my yeah. teachers. I mean, even into high school, some of them are just like, yeah, like don't mess with those. You know, this or that synod, and especially going through church history classes. And I mean, these are like the. 14 billion different heresies that have arisen in the church and it's like but we've clutched onto the word of god this whole time and everyone else has gone in their different direction and yeah and it's not you know it's not just one synod that plays into that you know there's so many different churches that can fall prey into that type of Mm -hmm. mentality we're right and everyone else is wrong Mm -hmm. i think a lot of it boils down to you know broad is the road that leads to destruction but narrow is the gate that Mm -hmm. leads to life and you know, we emphasize so much the narrow gate, and we should, but I think a lot of people who are narrowing that gate so much mm-hmm. that, you know, they are the yeah. only one person that's going to be yeah. in heaven, mm-hmm. like, that's that's not right either. R- I correct. Mean, you know, correct. Yeah. So it's no different, like, with uh, Bible translations. You know, sure. Oh, God yeah, forbid for anybody sure. uses anything other than the New King James, <laughs> yeah. you know, and certainly not the message. Yeah. But, right. you know, <laughs> Good Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the Word of God is still the Word of God. And it's yeah. up to God himself to determine who hears his word and who mm. uh, absorbs it into their spirit. Mm. So, you know, we can 
we can preach and we can worship and we can do all that, but it's God's the one who's actually opening the hearts and opening the ears Amen. to the message. So. Yeah, listen mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, right. Are Who you knew? listening? <laughs> <laughs> I said something right today. Yeah. I got something going for it's me. Good. Yeah. So, um, just in terms of like you know some of the things that we we have at you know uh, in the wells and at, even at Victory of the Lamb, yet we're still we're pretty progressive for a, a wells church, but um, we still do we recite a creed every Sunday. Um, so these are some of the like kind of legalistic things I think that we kind of do. And, and mm-hmm. I wasn't raised in this. Maybe you can clarify, Matt, but traditional liturgical elements. Yes. yes that we yes. still hold on mm-hmm. to. And, um, you know, we, we commune every twice a month. Um, what, what are you, do you have any of those like? Yeah. Yeah. So we definitely have some traditions and it's not just, um, here at Southbrook, but it's, you know, most non-denominational churches still have, traditions that they hold on to. So, uh, you know, we do communion once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, we have scripture um, throughout every service. We have, well, we make sure that there's prayer in every service. Mm-hmm. Um, we've definitely included the Apostles' Creed in our services in the past. Uh, we've included the Lord's Prayer. Uh, it's not something that you would typically see on a weekly basis okay. in a non-denominational church. You know, you wouldn't see them every week stop and recite the Apostles' mm-hmm, Creed. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, because there's a ton of truth, and it's you know you're expressing your own personal commitment to God through that Apostles' Creed. So there's definitely value in that. Um, I think from a non-denominational standpoint, we really look at the variety that we can include in a worship service that's still ultimately bringing uh, honor and glory to God. You know, first Corinthians 10 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Mm -hmm. you do it all for God's glory. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we try to incorporate as much of that variety into our worship services. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, if we tried to have everything in every Mm -hmm. service, it would just, you, you would tell that we're just like, you know, yes. we're just yep. knocking off. Okay, we got to do, yep. yes. do this now. We got to do this now. We got to do this now. And sometimes. it wouldn't just. Yeah. It just wouldn't have a flow. It, you would. Not that the spirit wouldn't be moving in that, but we want to leave room. We want to leave space for those pauses for the spirit to to speak into us, to talk to us, and mm-hmm. really encourage us in. Okay, just just sit in this moment for a little bit and just yeah. feel God's presence and mm-hmm. listen for Him in this. Yeah. I mean, Annie and I have talked about this, but it kind of feels almost like a checklist for when, us, you, when yeah. you have, I need to have this, I need to have this. And then, you know, because no one will sacrifice those things. And and I kind of like that. Like everyone's like, no, this is important. This has to be there every Sunday. I want to go to church and I want to get this thing. I want to say, for example, I want to say the creed with all my fellow, you know, church members. Um, and that's great. But yeah, then you run into that problem where it's like, Okay, so we can have the creed. Well, it makes the most sense to have the creed here. The offering, that's going to go here. And the confession of sins, that's going to go here. And the prayers are going to go here. Can we change them? Well, you know, why would you change them? I mean, it makes more sense to have it back here. And, and it just stays the same. You wouldn't right. change anything. Well, that it's is perfect the path just of least resistance, is. too. Let's yeah. just leave it the way it is because right. we yeah. know it all fits. Right. Right. And then, you know, and I, if our, our church is pretty good because we're more contemporary. Our music is more contemporary. And that helps people stay engaged. But um, I spent many years going to traditional church, and I would say the older people really appreciated that everything stayed the same and it was grounded in tradition. 
the younger people are half asleep mouthing along mm-hmm. like I believe in God the Father. Well, if you you know, know if you don't switch it up, it it almost yeah it becomes not like you you don't really pay attention to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like it almost when you change when you have the ability to kind of change the order and change the things that are being spoken and change the then then you really have to focus on it. You can't just like kind of yeah, oh exactly. I've recited this a thousand times in my life. I know you know you really have to think about it, and I think that's important. Yeah. And and listen, I want to say too, I I think our our pastor is certainly willing to make adjustments like we're not totally pigeonholed but i think when when you're under this kind of uh sovereignty of the wells like there's certain elements that you know we're we're yeah. i don't know i don't know yeah and so i here's a question i mean so you guys uh, uh here at southbrook you guys are really your own body Mm-hmm. leadership wise like yep. the, the the hierarchy of sort of control or authority is is really just self-contained Correct. here yeah yeah so i can kind of explain some people sometimes um people get confused because they look at the number of brook family churches out there you know you've got uh elmbrook is usually considered the mothership and mm-hmm. then you've got you know 20 different or 30 different or even four i don't even know how many true brook churches there are at this point but um you know for our story here at southbrook Elmbrook planted Southbrook 25 years ago. And when Elmbrook planted us, you know, they they planted us, they got us going, they supported us financially until we got our own feet under us. And then at that point it was okay, Elmbrook is now hands off and you know, we've run our own ship per se since then. Uh so we have a board of elders that um you know, does all the directing and whatnot. Um of the church, the senior pastor is the one that's casting the vision uh, and really kind of leading us in the path that the church culture here, specifically at Southbrook, uh, is going. Um, and then there's a pastoral staff around him to support that vision, and then just countless other um, volunteer groups and, mm-hmm. and teams that you know continue that vision and that culture throughout their ministries. So. Um, yeah, as much as there's you know thirty different Brook churches, they they all stand independently of each other, even though they come together and support each other. You know, just yesterday, uh, we had all of the Brook uh, senior leadership pastors here at Southbrook just to have a meeting and like you know let's network, let's you know see what everybody's doing, share ideas, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, and have you found? I mean, so your church is relatively young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but have you found, have there been issues where you have, you know, a senior pastor who's sort of guiding the ship, but you have ultimately a board of some kind who's making the big decisions? Have there been problems um, in leadership, just personality things where you didn't know how to handle it, or it would have been nice to have some sort of oversight? Like, I don't know if we should do this. Like, is there another, you know, a place of authority we could yeah. go to. Yeah, and I think that's where uh, the value of the other Brook churches come into play. Uh, so as much as we don't have to go to a different, um, you know, we don't have to go to Elmbrook to seek approval mm-hmm. for something, but we can certainly go to them and say, hey, you know, here's a struggle that we're having. 
have you guys experienced that? Mm -hmm. And if so, how have you dealt with it? Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe Elmbrook hasn't, but they could say, oh, you know what? Northbrook had that Mm. certain circumstance happening. Why don't you go check with their senior pastor? And then Mm -hmm. we, you know, we can kind of communicate that way. So as much as we're not going to the other churches to seek approval for anything, we certainly lean on them for wisdom because, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's our senior pastors or, um, the elder board, you know, we understand that we don't have all the answers. You know, we need to lean on other people to seek, you know, God's wisdom because God's wisdom is found not just in his word, but other godly people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I guess one of the reasons that I, I know Pastor Ben has talked about the that it's good to have sort of like a, a, a synod or like an overarching body is um we talked about like hillsong the hillsong scandal and Mm -hmm. we've talked about i don't know if we did an episode on mars hill but we've referenced it Mm -hmm. um, several times but just like where one church gets so big and you have sort of the the demagogue at the top the lead pastor the lead you know worship leader type person who's very charismatic and all of a sudden before he knows it, he can get away with whatever he wants you know, and he's yep. making all the money. Not held accountable. And, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, there's a very fine line there that you have to walk, and mm-hmm. you want their, you want the leadership of the church to have space to be mm-hmm. able to move in that vision, but you still have to, um, you know, compare that vision to, you know, the the word of God and the holiness of God, and just make sure, okay, is this is how you're doing this, and what you're doing, and what you're saying. Um, is this still lining up biblically with where we as a church mm-hmm. want to be? And the Brooks churches, are, I mean, they're wildly successful, right? Like, I mean, they're y'all are doing well, growing, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. so I think there's you know doing something, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. We, well, we're certainly trying. I, mean, I assume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and whether that's a synodical thing or just a worship style thing is to be debated. But well, yeah, and we can get into that too. <laughs> There's something that's not happening in our very old churches that have been there for 100, 150 years. Sure. They aren't changing, and as a result, they're slowly dying. Well, and we're still, you know, we're over here. The Wells is over here squabbling about things like, should we have closed communion, which is something something where only Wells people can take right, to members of the church. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, yep. I, I understand that in theory, but we're over here squabbling about things like that when we need to be focusing uh, outward and on the mm-hmm. un, unchurched people. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're squabbling amongst ourselves and it just seems, you know, about things like women's role in the church and, you know, just some of these things that I just feel like, why are we, we're focused on the wrong thing. So it's kind of yeah. nice that you, you know, you in a non-denom, you can focus on Christ and not be stopped or blocked or inhibited by all these other little. Yeah. Yeah. And no church is immune to those type of conversations. And, you know, most non-denominational churches, you mentioned closed communion. Most of the non-denominational churches I've ever been to have open communion, Mm -hmm. uh, which means any, anybody who professes Christ as their savior can participate in communion with us Mm -hmm. on that Sunday. Uh, and it's really up to that person. And we ma- we make sure that we explain that uh, in the explanation of communion and mm-hmm. what the elements mean and the so why even we're remembering though, So it. you would call it open communion, mm-hmm. but there is still something. Right? Oh, yeah. There is you still a criteria. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Apostle Paul tells us that we need to examine ourselves before sure. we take communion. So even I as a believer, and we, we explain this, you know, even I as a believer, 
if I have something that I'm holding on to, you know, some unrepentant sin or something in my life, I'm, you know, I, I'm not, uh, I don't have a good relationship with somebody right now because I'm holding a grudge or whatever it is. You know, the apostle Paul tells us that that person should not take communion. They should go and, you know, get right with their brother or Mm. sister before Mm. they do that. So we make sure that we explain that on a regular basis. So that way people understand this isn't just some flippant thing yeah. like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm just drinking some juice mm-hmm. and eating a stale cracker. Yeah, like, yeah. No, there's <laughs> there's significant truth right. behind what we're doing. And we're doing it, you know, for the remembrance of me, Jesus mm-hmm. says. So we want to make sure that we're doing that in a, yeah. in a righteous and holy way mm-hmm. still. And that's the aspect of, I think, a lot of non-denominational churches or the perception of non-denominational churches is that it's just a show. You know, mm-hmm. you can go here and we're relatively conservative with the showiness or the production level, I guess is a better mm-hmm. term of it. Uh, and you can go to other uh, non-denominational churches that teach very similar things that we do, uh, but they've got smoke machines and mm-hmm. lights flashing all yeah, over the yeah. place and whatever the case is. So, you know, not to say that any of that is wrong, but when you're considering yourself as a church and the culture that you want to create in the people and the truth that you're portraying of Jesus, you want to make sure that you're holding on to making Jesus the attention mm-hmm. of your service. Mm-hmm. So like if you have a smoke machine, that's cool. If you can have a smoke machine and all of the attention of your service is still on mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, Great. go for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, Figure out how to do it and go for it. Mm-hmm. Personally, I struggle with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yeah. not a very production flashy kind of because I think, you know, even and it can even go to how many times do you have people walking on and off the stage? Like if you've got on and right. off the stage right. 38 times throughout yeah. the service, that's a distraction, a distraction right. from the moment that you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, we certainly mm-hmm. don't want it to become this emotionally driven I'm just sitting here weeping because I love Jesus so much. Mm-hmm. But we do want there to be a flow in this, the way we design the services so that once we're in the service, your focus shifts from whatever you might have been doing beforehand. Like, you know, we all know church starts at 10 and we walked in the door of church at 10.05 and our <laughs> kids were screaming when mm-hmm. I dropped them off at children's church, whatever the case is, you know, the the ideal situation would be I got to church 10 minutes early. I'm sitting down five minutes mm-hmm. early. I'm kind of like, you know, saying a quick prayer, putting my mind at peace before I hear sure. the worship and the message. But we know that that's not the reality mm-hmm. of life for 90% of the people that mm-hmm. are coming in our doors. So we want to make sure that once the service starts, we can get everybody into a mode of worship and then do our best to protect that facet, I guess, of the service. Like, you know, once you're in worship, I don't want you to be distracted by these lights flashing over in the corner Mm -hmm. or how many times this guy got up and off the stage. Mm -hmm. And that one time he tripped getting on the stage and, you know, there's not that any of that stuff is wrong, but there's so many pieces and elements Mm -hmm. of a worship service that can distract you from worship itself. Agreed. You, You have to make it appropriate. You know, you have to you have to make that setting, not just you can't just think in terms of what's exciting mm-hmm. or what's engaging. Right. You have to say what's also appropriate. Right. What, what re- retains some of that reverence. Yeah. And I've you know, and I've um, I've been humbled 
multiple times in leading worship. You know, I've been leading worship for, I don't know how many years. Uh, and there's been times where like, I'm in the, I'm in this real excited mode and I'm like, yeah, let's, let's worship, let's go. And I'll get on the platform and I'll say to the congregation, like, Hey, is everybody ready to worship? And we're going to like start with this upbeat, great song. And someone just walked in the door and their mother passed away the night before. Well, they're not in that moment of, yes, I'm excited about Mm -hmm. worship. They're sitting there like Job saying, you know, the world just crashed down around me, but I will still worship. Interesting. But they're certainly not at that point where it's like, yes, I'm ready to worship because they're just at a broken point in their Mm. life. So we as worship leaders have to be careful how we design our services mm, with that in mind. And there's been multiple times where I have done that. And I remember one time I said that very thing and someone from the congregation was like, no, I'm not ready. And I was like, what is going Uh-oh. on? Oh, no. And I What's talked plenty? to that person afterwards and I heard their story and I was just crushed. I was like, holy cow, I screwed that one up wow. royally. Mm. It was a huge learning process for me. And, you know, and I, I talked to the person, I asked them for forgiveness and, it just, you know, it's it's things that we need to learn along the way. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I had not thought about that at yeah, all. Yeah, right. That is interesting. Do you guys baptize? How do you baptize? Just out of curiosity. So we typically have one or two baptism services a year uh, where we try to get as many people to be baptized at that one time. And we, dis- and we create that service around mm. the baptism. Is it a full dip? It's a full dip. Full, full dip. immersion, yep. Okay. So we've got a... Uh, um, we've got a hot tub, I guess, looking thing that we wheel out and we fill it with water and we turn the water heater on so you don't sit in there freezing. That's good. Unless um, it's someone you don't really like, then yeah. you put ice cubes in there. <laughs> Heater's broken, sorry. Yeah. And um, the whole service is really designed around baptism. So we talk about it for weeks and weeks leading up to it, letting people know that, hey, if you've um, turned your life over to Jesus over the past however many however long or you've never been baptized here's an opportunity and then we actually have a little class that people go through so they truly understand what mm-hmm. baptism is before okay. they That's do cool. it yeah. um, and then the service itself we start with music like we usually do we have a time of worship um, and then we'll explain to the congregation what baptism is and why we're doing the service the way we are. And then we'll have people baptized. And mm. then uh, we usually ask as we're going, like, hey, is there anybody else that feels like they want to be baptized? And sometimes there's people that get into the baptismal fully clothed because, like, they are just They're ready at it. that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Wow. So what, uh, so this is like the, these are like the 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 most the most uh, um, the the strongest Lutheran tenets are our communion, baptism, um, and what about women? Probably those are like the big three questions. <laughs> um, so I'm just curious, what is if you is there if any someone, tension? Yeah. Well, if somebody asked you what is baptism, what would be your answer? It's like someone from your church says, hey, I'm thinking about getting baptism, but like, what is it, you know, sure. in a couple sentences? So I think that the, the most concise description of what baptism is, is just, it's a public confession of your faith. You know, this, whether it's the first time you've done it or you've confessed your faith to, faith to people before and you've just never done it publicly in front of a bunch of people, it's simply saying, you know what, I'm a follower of Jesus and this is a representation of him cleansing you know, my life. And we would probably say, so I'll let you articulate it. Yeah. So 
our so this this is this is the Lutheran holdout on every major issue, um, and I understand why it's there. But um, basically, when you get down to it, um, Luther disagreed with anybody who said you do anything for your own salvation. Period. So if it's like, I mean, even things where it's like, um, that that's and that's the tension, right? Did did you choose to follow Christ? No because you're sinful. You could not possibly have chosen that. That's the Holy Spirit working in you, making the choice. It's really dicey. But that, I mean, that's very clear and simple. It was just, anytime you say, I did, it's just like, no. Yeah, right? right. And right. I understand why he did that. But sometimes it's like, this, you know, I, like, I get what you mean, right? Mm-hmm. Because even what you just said was, like, you're making the confession of faith, which is, which is, which is, um, which is, which is fine. And, and you say, um, and we're doing the symbol of washing because Christ cleansed you. And so it's not so much like you're doing baptism wrong or you're doing it opposite. We're our way. We have an emphasis on forgiveness. This is something that God is doing for you. But I mean, even when you say like you're confessing your faith, it's, I, I am assuming you guys don't actually believe you know, it's Correct. that whole choice yeah, it's thing, not, right? I mean, right, we right, certainly right. tell people that, you know, the act of baptism is what's saving you. Mm-hmm. Or even the confession of your, you know, um, you know, Jesus says in John, you know, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive you of your sins. Mm-hmm. And yes, there is an element of if you do this, then this, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. like it's clearly right there. Like yeah. if you confess, yeah. then mm-hmm. you are forgiven. And then, you know, we can go beyond that and have a total conversation about Calvinism versus Arminianism and <laughs> go through every element of tulip and whatever. And I'd be happy to do that because I absolutely love that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, it's it really is like, you know, it's Jesus that's saving us. And that's, right. you know, regardless of whatever, what right. service it is, we're always trying to drive back to keep the attention on Jesus as yeah. much right. as we can. So Right. Mm-hmm. And, so, and, and and that's the one where, you know, that was another one where I went through, I've gone through so many Luther classes in my education, by the <laughs> way, but just like, you know, it's like, oh, other other churches are trying to teach you that it's a choice. And it's like, ah, it, it's not that you're saving yourself, right? It's kind of a matter of emphasis. So I would say the, the way we do it is an emphasis on God is forgiving you and the way others is is like the public confession aspect, mm-hmm. and it's both, mm-hmm. right? It's both because mm-hmm. you're doing right. it in a public place. Yeah, for why a else reason. would you? I mean, you could do it privately. Even even like, in our church, right. the pastor says like, "Oh, you know, like as a congregation, do you promise to help support so and so as they continue on their journey of faith?" Like it's public, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And that's and we clap and we you know we do cheer, yeah, yep. yeah, you know, like <laughs> it's good, it's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, you know? well, and that's but that's also the thing, like if you. If you fail to confess Jesus to others, you know, he's going to fail to confess you to his father. Ooh, like there is that, that <laughs> oh, there's dear. that very clear line like if you are a closet Christian, I guess for lack of a better term, like you you know about Jesus but you never are willing to tell other people that you know Jesus. There's an element of do you really know yeah. that personal relationship mm. with Jesus? Right. Because Romans 9, you know, even Satan knows who Jesus is. Mm. Like he knows mm-hmm. Jesus more than any of us could yeah. ever understand mm. who Jesus is. Yeah. However, Yikes. he does not know Jesus 
yeah. in that personal loving. He doesn't have the trust. He doesn't have the faith. son relationship. Ooh. Yeah, and that's and that's interesting because the Bible. I mean, the Bible tells us everyone knows God. You know, it's not a matter of like, oh, knowing. I mean, that's yeah. God that's, makes it plain for everybody yeah, to know. Yeah. That's the mm-hmm. difference between knowing and believing. Are mm-hmm. you actively putting trust in something? Right. Basically, would you put your money where your mouth right. is? Do you mm-hmm. know um, or do you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I like what you said about the public confession, and it's almost like if you're willing to take this step in church, that'll help you. Mm-hmm. You know, are you willing mm-hmm. to take that step outside of right. church? Right. This is the safest po- spot. Yeah, that exactly. You can take this step. Literally, right. everyone is cheering to take for it you. Here, like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's a that's a cool element. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so so I, the other question is then, what is, um, uh, I, I guess where that becomes relevant, I should say, is, um, in our synod, most people are baptized as infants. Mm-hmm. There is, there is, so, I mean, and that's, of course, because we, we really are not there for the choice, right? There's no choice whatsoever. It's all God, and therefore, if you are two days old or 20 years old, it doesn't matter. Sure. Um, do you guys baptize infants as well? No. So most non-denominational churches, and I can't speak for all, obviously, but uh, the ones that I've been at, including Southbrook, um, we have a um, child dedication Sunday where we'll have, you know, the parents of newborn kids come up and it's essentially, it's really geared toward the parents. As much as we have pictures of the baby on there and the the verse that the parents want to have the kid have for their life or whatever it is, it's really the parents saying, I'm going to raise my child in the ways of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So -hmm. we're not baptizing them. We're not saying that. Um, you know, this dedication of the parents is granting salvation to the child or anything like that, because ultimately it still boils down to the decisions that the child makes as to whether they're mm-hmm. going to follow the Lord or not at whatever point in their life they make that decision. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do not baptize children. We have a, the dedication instead. Um, and then once you are to a point where you can make a conscious decision for the Lord yourself, then we will baptize. Is there an you. age limit on that? In other words, eighteen? No, okay. not necessarily. Or if so, you know, if, if a fifteen-year-old is like, "Dude, I am in it. I'm here. Let's do it." Yeah. No. I mean, mean, well, I don't know that we've really held to an actual age limit. Okay. Just so. kind of case by case. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then I think maybe the last question is: um, Does is 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 baptism forgiving sins? No. 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 Okay. No, Jesus forgives sins. Like you know, like you said, there's nothing we can't do anything to earn our salvation. Even to the point of, and again, I'm gonna revert back to my John Calvin kind of mentality here. <laughs> like even saying the sinner's prayer doesn't grant you salvation. Mm. You know, the thief hanging on the cross next to Jesus did not listen to Jesus say, "Okay, now pray this prayer." And then you'll be saved. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. no, he said, today you will be with me in paradise. Mm. Sure. So it's not anything we do, including and up to that, you know, Lord, please forgive me. Our salvation, the the knowledge of Jesus and his salvation comes before that takes place. Once we have that knowledge, that's the Lord opening our eyes to his truth. And that in turn creates in us the response 
of Lord, forgive me. You you've just opened my eyes to the fact that I am a sinful, wretched, horrible person, mm-hmm. and I desperately need your saving mm-hmm. because of the penalty of the sin that weighs upon me. Sure. Mm-hmm. So. Because of him opening our eyes, that is what is now creating that response, which is asking for forgiveness, worshiping him, and so forth. Hmm. It's, I mean, it's different, but I don't necessarily, I don't, I wouldn't call it wrong, certainly. You know, like, it's just different, you know? Yeah. Um, what did come first, the chicken or the egg? Well, right, right. I mean, <laughs> ultimately, right. I mean, right. Uh, yeah. So I guess I guess the the next big topic, which um, one of our pastors, I won't tell you who, but the one that likes to complain a lot, um, was just talking about the other day. It's is, me. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, is 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 women? The question of women, basically. Um, and uh, the the Lutheran Church. Um, there's there's a verse in the Bible where Paul says, uh, I do not permit a woman to hold authority over a man. I do not permit a woman to teach. That's the verse in, uh, I want to say Timothy. I could be totally wrong. Um, and and so um, that that's sort of like the concrete verse. And then um, Lutheran tradition holds to that the husband or the man is the spiritual head of the household which is um, pretty well established in the Bible. And that one, to me, to be honest, is kind of like, uh, it's funny because uh, growing up, we were always like, women should not be pastors. But like at Southbrook, like what you might call a worship pastor is Mm -hmm. not necessarily the same as like, Annie's a music coordinator. Mm -hmm. And so, but if we were to call her a worship pastor, we would get letters. Mm. But oh, she's yes. just the music coordinator. Right. You know, when it's like, is she doing anything different? You know, it's like, so leadership in the church, acti- activity in the church. I mean, at my church, I don't know if this is a rule, but like men were always ushers. And I don't know if they wouldn't let women be ushers. I think or, they wouldn't back, you know, back in the... Maybe. And and even probably yeah. still at certain Wells churches, mm-hmm. like, yeah. oh no. And so I guess the, the question for me was like, I get that you want to encourage men to step up if a man is the spiritual head, because I mean, the trend recently has been like wife drags her kids to church. Right. And Mm -hmm. husband husband comes comes along. along Right. If he even comes along, if he comes along. Right. And that's, that's terrible because the the husband is, he's failing. And so the the wife has to pick up after him. And so that, I mean, I I can see where you'd want to encourage the men to get involved, but then I have to ask like, okay, so women can teach in schools, but they can teach in private schools. Like they're obviously teaching the word of God. I mean, part of the reason that um, women started getting an education was Martin Luther. He said women should be able to read because they need to teach their kids the word of God, you know, and then to go from that many, many, many hundreds of years ago and be like, well, yeah, but we don't actually want women to teach in church it's really, really dicey. It's inconsistent. It just seems weird, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Um, I might get struck down with a lightning bolt for saying that, but so I here's guess, a here's I, a yeah, question for thoughts? you guys. Do you oh, yeah. guys have any? Does anybody else ever preach nope. at your church besides nope. the pastor? Like your pastor is the pastors. only ever guy that. Well, we have or... some. We have guest preachers. It was sometimes okay. we have, but they're but they're but all from our synod. The synod, the synod. And, okay. They are all men, and they're retired. Right, maybe retired guys come back and every sure. every pastor in our synod has gone through the same seminary, 
mm-hmm. all the professors there mm-hmm. are men. They're probably mostly all retired pastors, and um, everyone at the seminary is male. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's, that's it. Um, women cannot be pastors in our synod. Yeah. Well, and and just a quick fact to kind of show you kind of where we are is kind of dire. Last year, the graduating sem class was about 20, I think 22 kids. Mm. And we've got 140-ish pastoral vacancies in wow. the wells. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is what we're, de- you know, it's like, there's a shortage, certainly. Yeah. Um, and so what, what does that mean for us? Like, are we going to have, you know, we're going to have to do something, whether it's right. women or, you know, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the answer and, is. And I, again, like I keep coming back to like, I get that you want to urge the men to be the men that God called them to be, right? If you are the spiritual head, that's a huge responsi- responsibility. Mm-hmm. But if they're not, I mean, it's so bizarre to say they're not doing their job, but also like women, you need to really limit yourself when, you know, God says like, go make disciples of all nations. And it's like, so if you're traveling, like, are you not allowed to share the word of God? Like if you were in a different country, could you not start a church? Like, like that doesn't seem like, it seems like God wants you to share his word. He doesn't want you to be like, I'll just wait for uh, a guy to come along and do this for me. Well, and some women, some, some of the congregations currently cannot, cannot vote on like mm. church topics. And oh yeah. So, oh yeah. So it'll be it'll be like um I've I've heard this from people. Uh they'll say they'll express an opinion and then they will be told, uh have your husband come to the meeting and have him vote on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what what if I'm a widow? What if I'm not married? What if my husband isn't into all this mm-hmm. and I'm the one bringing my yeah. kids to church? Mm-hmm. Well, then what, you know, yeah. and these are the types of things that the synod, you know, will, will struggle with and butt heads about when, when we really are focusing in my opinion on the wrong yeah. thing. Yeah. It's, it's, there's definitely, we definitely live in a different day and age mm-hmm. than the first century church mm-hmm. existed mm-hmm. in, right. um, you know, women in that day and age probably didn't go to college to be doctors mm-hmm. and they weren't senators and whatever the case is, mm-hmm. it's, it, there's definitely a different, um, caliber, I guess that's probably not a good word. Cause that makes them sound like less of people, but they weren't. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely a different day and age. So from a non-denominational perspective, we are all over the board on this one. Like, Many non-denominational churches will hold to, we will never have a woman elder or pastor. Mm-hmm. And then you have others that will have women elders, but not pastors. Mm-hmm. And we'll have women pastors and not elders. Like, mm-hmm. they're all across the board on this one. Uh, for us, you know, we've had um, women speak from the pulpit. You know, Jill Briscoe is a classic example of someone who has uh, preached from our pulpit. And I don't know who that is. That's Stuart Briscoe's um, wife or now widow, he just passed away. Stuart Briscoe was not the founding pastor of Elmbrook, but he was the one that took it from a gotcha. church of 50 people to 5 million people. Okay, kind okay. Of thing. So, um, and his wife is a brilliant speaker, uh, brilliant theologian. She's written many books and we've had her here preaching. Cool. Uh, we have um, people in our own congregation that we will raise up 
uh, to preach, you know, you've um, done it. I've, pre- yeah, there you go. There's <laughs> <laughs> bottom of the barrel right no, there. No, no. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll raise up people with, within our church that have a passion for God's word and a passion for preaching. And we'll train them in the way of actually sharing God's word from the pulpit. Um, you know, we've done that with both men and women, you know, um, you know, both you know, and people that aren't even ordained or they don't mm-hmm. have a degree or whatever. They, you know, I, I'm the worship pastor and I don't have a degree in worship or mm-hmm. a degree in theology. And, you know, I went to college to work on electric motors and generators You're the rest of my guy, life. And then right? I ended up yeah. uh, running a business. So it, it just, it, you know, it's different for everybody. Um, but who's to say that those type of things, you know, whether you have a degree or not, should prevent you from being a minister of the gospel. You well, know, I'm and, pretty sure Paul would disagree with that. I mean, and and so Paul was extremely well educated. I mean, not only did he have the entire Old Testament probably memorized, but he's st- I mean, after he converted, he studied for like 10 years mm. before he went mm. on his missionary journeys. But when he planted those church, did he put them through all seminary? Right. Like, oh, see, right. I, I mean, th- I'm sure they started, right? And and on um God on some level calls, I think, all men to be pastors as in shepherds of their family, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that spiritual headship thing. And so it's like, do you need a degree? I don't know. At the same, you know, and then, so so to, to go back to, to women, though, um, is I have, like, I, I see where it's like, you know, back then where, you know, a, a man was the public face of his family and, and you'd you know, a, a woman speaking in public would have been actually just disruptive more than anything. It would be like, get her, get her down. It's basically how I feel whenever Annie opens her mouth. Oh, um, yes. Here it is. I was wa- I was waiting. I was waiting for it to happen. Yep. Wow. Let's dial it back here, people. Yeah, nah, he's fine. <laughs> so, um, but, but, you know, and so you can say, okay, that's a different world, and it is. But then it's like, where do you draw the line, right? In, in under what circumstances is the Bible written in a different world? And under what circumstances does that truth remain the same? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things where and it's that's like, the oh, that challenge would... between right. every like that's the a lot challenge. Of yeah, you know? right. Well, I do want to touch on. We've got a little bit of time left. I want to touch on um, because this is obviously near and dear to my heart: music and worship sure. at Anandanam. Because yeah. um, I know how we are. You know, again, we've got our very regimented um, uh, checklist of things we have to you know cover and so we do songs and um it's you know we we're called the chosen frozen you know as <laughs> as our, our buddy andrew uh like sure. say, you know yeah. but but yeah. It, it is a lot of um you know there's no there's really no movement no clapping mm-hmm. um and like john brought up that could be because people are not in the emotional space to do that Right, at, right. So is, is it our, you know, yeah. we have to put, help put them there. and At the same time, that is our synod. I mean, and pe- I mean, we come from Germans, hundreds of years <laughs> of people who sit in pews and read out of books. Yeah. So you don't stand up, you don't wave around. That's Southern Baptist nonsense, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, and, and yeah, but now it's like we're trying to blend the contemporary worship style with a bunch of traditional Lutherans. And it's it's pulling and pushing as hard as you can, and people don't budge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, there's there's the element of is if God is glorified through what you're doing, whether you're doing it 
in the format that you guys do it or right. in the format that a non-denominational, as long as God's glorified, that's all that matters anyways. Right. So it doesn't, I, I would never say that anyone's doing anything right or wrong because if God is glorified in your service, keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way that I've seen most non-denominational churches do it, at least the ones that I've been at, we, you know, you've got four to six songs that you're uh, using in worship. And it usually, like for us, for example, we would open up with a song and then we'd have the welcome and announcements. So a host person would come up and just, hey, welcome everybody. We're so glad you're here. Here's a couple of quick announcements for you. Let's all continue in worship. And then that person's off the stage. And now we would have anywhere between two to four songs back to back to Mm. back. And intermixed in those songs would be scriptures, prayers, spoken words, responsive readings. With music playing underneath, right? Typically with some sort of music playing in between. Uh Um, There's oftentimes where we'll stop and, hey, you know what? This is a great, let's, let's all read together a portion of Psalm 145. And we'll actually, like, someone from the front will be saying it. But the whole congregation is now reading along mm. because there's, and I really like to do that with the portions of scripture that are talking directly, like it's a direct speaking to God. Like, God, I love you because of this, or mm. I thank you for doing this, or you are holy, or whatever the case is. I think there's here. a lot of power in that type of you know, just spoken expression. And, and in times like that, there wouldn't be music behind it. It would simply be us saying it. Um, but again, we don't do it every week because then it kind of loses its impact. Sure. Like mm-hmm. if you do it every yeah. single week, week after week, it's kind of like, okay, here's, uh, we love you, God. Yeah, you're yeah. the best. Well, Thank so you so much. Who, I mean, who determines the, um, so your, your order of service mm-hmm. is changing every week, basically. Yeah. The, so, the, 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 scriptures the typical the... flow of the order is similar. Okay. But the songs, the scriptures, everything else readings changes is, within there, so whether who, we have one reading, five readings, whatever. Who determines that? Do you kind of bring that to... So, yeah, the, the pastor of the church, the senior pastor who's preaching every Sunday, he casts the vision for the church and he casts the vision for what each of the messages are going to be. So, mm-hmm. and he's, our senior pastor is amazing. Like he has planned three to six months out mm-hmm. of here's the topic or here's the scripture that I'm going to be speaking on this day. So I can then through prayer and just the spirit speaking to me, like, okay, what songs and what emotion is going to sit well mm. in this service based on where he's going with the word of God. Mm-hmm. Because for me, as much as I'm a worship pastor, the the scripture and the truth that the preacher is bringing is the most important part mm-hmm. of that whole service. Mm-hmm. Because the emotionalism of a song isn't going to change the heart for Christ. Mm-hmm. But the truth of God coming from the preaching mm-hmm. is. So when I'm designing the service, I'm always thinking, okay, the front end of the service is going to get us to the preaching. So we typically have one to four songs, or it's usually th- three to four songs before the sermon hits. So I want each of those songs and the scriptures that I'm choosing to set our minds in motion to mm. receive the word 
when it's preached. Mm. And then the song after, so we always have a response song after the message, is a song that speaks specifically to the message that was brought. So if they're talking about, um, you know, the the human brokenness, Jeremiah 17.9, we're all wretched, whatever the case is, then that closing song might be um, Broken Vessels, Amazing Grace, where it talks about how we are just at the bottom of ourselves, we are broken vessels, but it is God who creates anew within us. So mm. it's specifically speaking into the truth that was brought through the message. Um, and then immediately after that song, it's a go and have a great week. Mm-hmm. Or here's a quick benediction verse that, again, speaks specifically to what you just heard. Because, mm. again, when, when everybody leaves, I don't want them to necessarily think, boy, that music today was great. I want them to think, man, that message really hit me hard. And it seems like, and this is where I think we don't do, I mean, we could certainly do better, but it's because of this, it's disjointed. Like everything seems, you know, in your Mm -hmm. services, everything seems to really support. And so that when, when a person leaves, they're taking the whole package with them and, and what, you know, what was the message? And, and for us, it's like, you know, we do, we do our song and then we do our confession and then we do our message another song and our message but it, it doesn't always seem yeah because of these elements that we ha- have to include mm-hmm. it seems like we can't properly sure make it cohesive yeah, like the, this the t- there's just there's just chunks of time between everything so it's hard yeah it's hard to kind of tie it all together right and the challenge is separating the the because the church i mean I hate to say this, but the church is a business. There's an Mm -hmm. element of we've got to get the business out of the way Mm -hmm. of our church service, whether it's, um, you know, just giving the announcements or a financial update Mm -hmm. or whatever the case is. There is that administrative kind of thing that you have to do at some point. The rest of it is, okay, how do we how do we weave this together in a way that the spirit can speak to each person and lead them to the truth that is going to be brought in the message. And for me, I appreciate that the, the sermon or the message is at the end of the service Mm -hmm. or as close to the end as possible, because, you know, let's face it, we're all Americans Mm -hmm. and our attention span is okay. What was I just talking about? Right. Right, 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 right. You know that. (laughs) Yeah. So, the, the further toward the end we put our message, the better chance that people are going to remember Retention. more mm-hmm. of the message mm-hmm. than if we you know close with three songs and the next thing you know, it's like, boy, those songs were great. What was the message about? I can't mm. remember. But those songs were great. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's where does, where does the emphasis lie? Interesting. And again, to have, you know, to have the Lord's Prayer or Apostles' Creed or whatever, that stuff is great. Like, there's a lot of truth and there's a lot of worship that comes through that. Um, but again, it's being sensitive to, okay, are we just saying this to say this? Right, right. Or are we saying it in a way that we're really like, we are really worshiping And we're enhancing the message this. and we're, right. Yeah, I feel like we're just, we're so segmented. It's just like little segments that mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just all goes back to 
when people walk into our church, like they kind of know what to expect and it's comforting to have all those elements there. Be mm. like, oh, I not, we're not we're not getting off the rails. What right? I I still know where we're going. I still know where the train's going. Um, yeah, it's it's you know it's the question of um, are we going to be the ones to kind of have to adjust those expectations for them? You know, because are, are we trying to cater to them or you know our church has always taken this has taken the the stance at least in writing that we're going to cater to you know people that don't go to church at all, mm-hmm. right? come to our church and we don't care if you've never been to church or if you are Baptist or if, if you were Episcopalian mm-hmm. or if you think about being Catholic, come to our church. We don't care. Mm-hmm. We're not here to make you Lutherans. We're here to help you find Jesus. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I mean, that certainly is the right perspective. I mean, with there, there's so many non-churched people that are coming in our doors and sitting in our pews every day that they don't know Jesus. They don't mm-hmm. know the church terms. You know, we talk about progressive sanctification because we want to grow in our relationship and our righteousness in Jesus. And they they hear progressive sanctification and we might as well just be talking to them about yeah. something that, you know, different yeah. language. You know, yeah. Master Yoda said in Star Wars, Bob, yeah. and they're like, what? What are you talking about? Like yep. that? I, I have no clue. And you've totally lost them. Right. So there is that element of you've got to dial it back to an understandable format so that they mm-hmm. can see and understand what it is that the message that you're conveying. Yeah. And you know, any, every time we, not every time, but often when we introduce a new song before we play the song, I'll explain, mm-hmm. Hey, here's the song and this is why we're introducing it. Mm-hmm. And listen to the lyrics here. They're really strong. And you know, we'll kind of explain that. So people don't just think, Oh, that was a catchy tune. Yeah, we yeah, want yeah, them yeah. to be like, Wow, yeah, those lyrics that really did hit me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so much work to do. <laughs> yeah, lots to think about for sure. Yeah. Are we at about time, do you think? Uh yeah, yeah, we can be done. Uh do you guys have anything Final else you want to say? Uh no, I just want to say thank you guys again for having me. This yeah, thanks great. for being it's here. And I, and I think it's I think it's important, yeah, that we do, I mean, recognize that. You know, it's, let's not get in the way of, of Jesus, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I think that you can accomplish that in, in multiple denominations. Yep, absolutely. The board. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you next week when Ben is off from his, what is this? Probably like 30 second. He's in Ireland right now, isn't he? Yeah, he's uh, in Ireland so, golfing. Yeah, so we'll have to hear about that next week. Yeah. <laughs> I was golfing two days ago, but it wasn't in Ireland. Yeah. Aw, <laughs> nice weather though. That was, yeah. it was great. That's good. Yeah, probably because you get paid to work here full time. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I only work on Sundays, though. I mean, oh, that's the typical that's right, pastor, right? Oh, right, 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 right. You work on Sundays and that's it, right? Totally. So, sorry for dragging you out of bed this morning. Yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B S A D L E R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.